The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Oh, today's buzz is big data myths. So, are you dizzy from all the hype around trying to figure out small data versus big data? Hmm? How about big picture overview versus detailed factoids? I love that word. How about real-time truths? versus right time solutions, and so much more. Are you dizzy? But hark, while we search for answers today, could there be an elephant in the room? Pardon me while I digress for just a moment. The notion conjures up famous elephants for me, like Dumbo the Flying Elephant. Remember the Disney movies? How about Hathi, Kipling's Jungle Book Elephant? How about Babar from Jean de Brunhoff books? Oh, the favorites. And even Horton from Dr. Seuss. And now... Which elephant is in the room today? Well, it could be Hadoop, created by Doug Cutting and Michael J. Caffarella. By the way, Doug, working at Yahoo at the time, named Hadoop after his son's toy elephant. But I digress. Let's hear from the experts today. I have a packed panel of really smart people talking about what's important about big data. We're going to hear from Evan Quinn from ESG. Evan says, and he quotes Tim O'Reilly, we're entering a new world in which data may be more important than software. What a concept. We'll talk to Evan in just a moment and find out what he and Tim O'Reilly really mean. Then we're joined by Marie Goodell from SAP. Marie says, everybody, you got to take notes on this one. Every day, three times per second, we produce the equivalent amount of data that the Library of Congress has in its entire print collection. That's a question for Jeopardy. I know it is. But most of it, she says, is like cat videos on YouTube or 13-year-olds exchanging text messages around the next Twilight movie and this is from Nate Silver statistician and he's the author in case you don't remember of the signal and the noise silver by the way correctly predicted the winner in all 50 states in the 2012 US presidential election so much for data and we're joined also by Surya Mukherjee from Ovum and he says to sustain beyond the hype Big data needs to become a first-class citizen of the enterprise IT environment. What powerful words from all three guests. So join us for the next hour for more insights on debunking big data myths, the elephant in the room, whatever you call it. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're live. It's Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013. Where is the year going? I don't know, but this is episode number 79 in our series called SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. And we're here today, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest. First, I have a message from my Game Changers listeners. 
talking about big data. You know you have to do it, but it can be painful just thinking about how to harness your business's big data. Well, that's why you're listening to us today. But for a solution, go click any banner on our show page on the Business Channel for a complimentary ebook on how to start eliminating the pain of big data. It's free on us. Okay, let me tell you about my guest today. What a panel. Evan Quinn, Senior Principal Analyst at ESG has seen many sides of the IT equation, serving in roles spanning software development to product management, competitive intelligence to communications, industry analysis to product marketing, and near and dear to me, Evan, basic assembly language, I remember those days, to database management, Java, product marketing, in the cloud, everything. Evan Quinn, welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you today? Fine, Bonnie. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you, too. Delighted, and, and I love the background. We'll have to talk offline about my old programmer days. We're joined also by Marie Goodell. She's a Senior Director of Marketing at SAP. Marie co-leads big data marketing across the database, information management, and analytics teams. And I have to mention, Marie is involved in the SAP Palo Alto Grants Project, which supports education and nonprofit groups helping improve underserved youth's learning experiences and what else? Math, science, and information technology. Welcome, Marie Goodell. How are you today? Oh, I'm really good. It's a wonderful day here in San Francisco. Wonderful. Glad you could join us. It happens to be a beautiful day here in New York, too. And rounding out the panel is Surya Mukherjee. And Surya is a senior analyst for Ovum's information management team responsible for the analysis of enterprises, business intelligence, technology investment priorities, market forecast models, and product and vendor evaluations. And I have to tell everyone that before Ovum, he was a strategy analyst with Deloitte Touche Tomatsu, where he tracked semiconductor, semiconductor equipment, packaging, Test and materials globally. Welcome, Surya. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm great. Good to be here. Where, thank you. Where are you joining us from? I think it's far away. Where are you right now? Uh, well, I'm dialing in from India and uh, specifically the southern part of India, a small town called Hyderabad. And what time of day is it there, Surya? Um, it's uh, 8.30 p.m., well, we're very glad you're taking the time out of your evening to join us. So let me go back into the monologue and let's start ripping it apart and find out what you all really mean on our topic today, debunking big data myths. So Evan Quinn from ESG, we're entering a new world in which data may be more important than software. Tim O'Reilly, talk to me. What did Tim mean? What do you mean? Well, I, I, I think there's been, uh, and I think you used the word hype at the very beginning, Mm-hmm. Um, about big data, and there's been lots of hype around big data, particularly around the phenomena called Hadoop. Um, but even beyond that, just a lot of hype about big data. And I think what what we sometimes forget um, is that all of these platforms, all this software, or this hardware, this storage, networking, of course, that you need to process big data, um, it's ultimately about the data. And actually, there's a, a kind of a new, I, I like to call it the data economy. There's all kinds of providers out there who really are not software companies, but they're, they're data companies. Uh, you look at somebody like a LexisNexis or, or uh, an Axiom uh, or an interactive data or data.gov, which is a you know, big uh, open source sort of mm-hmm. data, if you will, being led by the federal government that involves, I think, 37 states already at this point and all kinds of uh, countries as well. So, you know, I, I think what we also want to focus on is this notion of big data is really about business intelligence and, and analytics. And that's been around for a long time. 
Um, and, you know, we at ESG, we, we estimate this market to be somewhere on the software side, somewhere in the $20 billion range. If you add in all the hardware and everything else, you might be, maybe get up to $80 billion. Um, you know, SaaS alone is 10 times bigger than all the pure play Hadoop providers out there. So, you know, a lot of focus on Hadoop, a lot of focus on big data, but I think the way to think about it is, you know, it's been around for a long time. We're sort of taking the next step. And the thing that sometimes get, gets forgotten about all this is it's about the data, you know. Uh, think about it, all this software, hardware stuff, it's like the automobile, and the data is the fuel. So good luck with your uh, software implementation if you haven't figured out how to, where the data should be coming from, and uh, often that data will be third party as well, not just from inside your own organization. Evan, I have a quick question for you before we turn to Marie and her quote from Nate Silver. The question is, can you, in one or two sentences, if anybody's been living under a rock, define what Hadoop is and why we're talking about that as the elephant today in our room? Sure. Uh, there's a... a, a for everybody who knows anything about Hadoop, you'll get a different definition. For me, I'm just going to keep it simple. It's an open source software framework primarily for the purposes of handling BI and analytics um, use cases and applications. It's got lots of other stuff going on, but at the end of the day, I like to think from the value in rather than the hardware up, and uh, the primary value prop is around BI and analytics. Thank you. Good to know. I just wanted to level set for our listeners. And let's turn to Marie Goodell from SAP. Marie, great quote from Nate Silver. My goodness, he certainly knows how to harness data. If he predicted the winners in all 50 states in the last election, although some people would say, well, what, what, what was there to predict? But other people would say, darn, he was right. And I don't want to take any political side. So tell me, three times a second every day, the equivalent amount of data that the Library of Congress has its an entire print collection. Of course, we know it's like cat videos and kids texting, but what is the implication of all this? Why is this important to Silver? Why is this important to us today, Marie? Yeah, I think that the quote just made me chuckle because, you know, the cat videos is is really there. (laughs) I think why it's so important is that big data is here and it's just going to continue to grow. Um, I read another quote just this morning that that in five years from now, the data, this massive amount of big data will just keep doubling and doubling and doubling. So we're going to see more data. The trick, I think the real trick is the ability to find the information that um, we want to find. Um, and, and so it kind of comes through, as you mentioned in the beginning, the difference between big data and small data. Um, I think in the past with small data, we were, we were looking for something particular. And like we had a, a definite idea in mind, like what was the, the quarter end? How did we do? How much money did we make last quarter? So we had a very specific question. And I think what big data allows us to do now, whether, you know, it's images or, or videos or, um, you know, text or wherever it's coming, is it allows us to explore. And so it allows us to find um, answers that we might not even known that uh, were out there. And I think that's, that's the excitement about big data, but I think the challenge is being able to find um, compelling, useful information that can make a difference in our lives. And I know another way you told me before the show, Marie, is the key is to be able to find those relevant nuggets of information that make a difference. That's what we're really talking about, yeah, isn't it? The, the gold. It's not just a bunch of stuff. It's what matters to 
any particular person in any particular business to get their roles done. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Marie. And before we end this segment, we're going to, we have time, plenty of time left for Surya talk, calling us from India. Surya, your quote was to sustain beyond the hype. Big data needs to become a first class citizen of the enterprise IT environment. Talk to me, Surya. What do you, what's the implication here? What kind of citizen is it now? And how close is big mm-hmm. data to becoming first class? What do you think? Yeah, uh, first off, I think, uh, I really agree with what, uh, Evan and Marie said, uh, specifically about the cat videos. They do find your, uh, their way to your inbox quite often. <laughs> but, but just, just talking about the, the context perspective of that. So to, to me, cat videos may not be relevant, but to, to someone, uh, to, to a business which, which, uh, lets us sell cat food, probably that is the context we are looking at. So, uh, you know, the, the, the trick with big data or, or with big data becoming, uh, let's say, a part of the enterprise ecosystem, we really need to find context. Now, dipping a little bit into how big data really evolved, uh, it started with, with uh, you know, the, the large Internet companies, the Googles uh, of the world, the Facebooks of the world. So the kind of problems that they were dealing with at, at that stage were unprecedented, that they were like web indexing, ad placement, and those kind of things. Uh, they had dedicated teams, and they basically, uh, you know, overturned the whole, uh, let's say, the, the, the economic principles because they had unlimited or, or almost obscene resources to throw at problems. Mm-hmm. However, when you transcend the same scenario and, and when you think about these technologies coming back to the enterprise, there, there are different arguments and, and there are different considerations when, when you think about uh, the enterprise use cases. So, you know, my message or, or my understanding of big data is, sure, there's a lot of hype and we, we almost every vendor in the market and every enterprise is talking about big data. But in order to sustain beyond that hype and in order to succeed in the enterprise world, I think Right now, I would say big data is, is sort of a model minority. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're overachievers and, and they're doing things that change the world. But over a period of time, you know, the law of the land, which is basically security, uh, you know, risk, compliance, those kind of things have to apply to big data. And, and that's how it, it needs to become a first-class citizen. It needs to interact with uh, every other part of the enterprise ecosystem. Thank you, Surya. You know, you did me a favor taking me right up to the first break. I'm ready to take a gulp of water. And when we come back, we're going to find out what my guests are drinking today in the various time zones. I'm going to ask the big important question because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. The question is, what's in your cup today? I'll be asking Evan Quinn from ESG, Marie Goodell from SAP, and Surya Mukherjee from Ovum. So, guys and gals, get ready. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Today's topic, debunking big data myths, the elephant in the room. We'll find out more when we come right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time to find out what my guests are drinking today. Evan Quinn, what's in your cup, please? Oh, gee. Uh, just Right now, there's just sort of a, a little bit of coffee and a, a little tiny bit of milk in there. Uh, it's kind of boring. I, I do remember... Um, a couple of years ago, I worked for a, a company which some folks from SAP may have heard of called Oracle. Sorry about that. And, um, <laughs> you know, this is going back some years. And um, I was running an event in, uh, in Singapore, and I was having a real hard time with the jet lag. I really hadn't slept. It was on the fourth day of the event, the final, final day, and I had one big sort of push to go through. And I'm sitting there at 7 o'clock in the morning, haven't slept in four days, and someone came up to me and said, do you look tired? And I said, yeah, I'm tired. And they go, well, what are you, you going to drink more coffee? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And they said, well, just change it around. Why don't you have a cocktail? And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that cocktail really helped me get through that last day of the event. <laughs> so that was, that was one of the stranger, I guess, uh, breakfast What's drinks in I've your ever co- had. Breakfast but, Evan, what right was the cocktail? We have to know. What was the secret formula? Oh, uh, it was it was a vodka martini. Thank you. We sure. wanted to get to the bottom of that glass yeah, really fast. That, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Great story. Marie, what's in your cup today or whenever? Well, so um, in addition to working in high technology, which I love, um, I am a yogi and I do a lot of yoga. And what I'm drinking right now is really popular in the yoga community. It's called kombucha. It is an effervescent fermented tea, and it acts like a probiotic, so it helps your digestion system, and it's an acquired taste, um, but kombucha is really uh, popular out here in California. And uh, the bottle that I'm drinking right now, it's a, it's a brand called G, GT's Kombucha, and why I like it is that they always have a little bit of words of enlightenment on their bottles, and uh, my ah. little phrase for today is, never forget, it all begins in the mind of a dreamer. So oh, how, how beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And Surya from India today, what are you drinking, my friend? Uh, Bonnie, it's uh, close to nine, so I'm, I'm taking something. I'm drinking some tea, but uh, there's, there's an interesting story because I... I totally customize my tea whenever I drink it. So to give you a little bit of history, we have two areas in India where tea comes from. And 
this this tea is supplied all over the world. So there's Darjeeling, and there's mm-hmm. Assam, and then, and these areas produce different kinds of tea. One of the teas is uh, the pure aromatic one, where you get a lot of aroma, but there's uh, you know it's it's not so full bodied. But the Assam tea is more like you know more full bodied, richer, and stronger. So one is sort of a an, an elite tea, a high tea, and the other is more of a blue collar tea. So what what you do based on the time of the day and you know how you're feeling and how your palate is, you mix up you, you create a mixture of these two teas and then you you know brew it, and and based on that you you get a unique blend every time of the day, uh, you know and and what what I'm drinking right now is uh, more of the more of the Assam side which means it's stronger to help me keep awake, but uh, <laughs> yeah it and, sounds and magical. Fun, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, so fun fact there is, uh, I noticed in, in Starbucks, they give you a chai tea, uh, yes. which uh, in, in, in Hindi, in, in language, uh, basically means tea tea. Chai <laughs> means tea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that lesson. That was great. I love this part of the show because we learn so much. Talk about small data and big data. This is important stuff. I have some coffee break uh, comments to have here from to read from Twitter. We have the lovely Kristen, probably listening from Miami, if I know where Kristen is. And she said, my coffee break beverage today is caffeine-free, refreshing, Nestle Pure Life Water. Thank you, Kristen. Always happy to have you on board. And the beautiful Margot is tweeting today, and she's having her Nes. Of course you are, Margot. Nespresso descaffeinato, but she's missing the Torrefac of Spain she was having last week. Sounds wonderful. I didn't know you were in Spain last week. And Malcolm, my co-producer and tweeter extraordinaire, says he's trying a new Keurig flavor from Starbucks, but isn't liking it because we all know he adores Equator coffees. And as for me, Bonnie, they don't let me have caffeine on show day, so why even bother? What can I say? So now it's time for us, Marie knows why, now it's time for us to dive into our roundtable. And Marie Goodell from SAP, I'm going to start with something you sent me, and let's use this to kick off the conversation. You sent me a quote from Bob Lewis and InfoWorld. This is interesting. You say, big data's pitfall, says Bob Lewis, is answers that are clear, compelling, and wait for it, wrong. So answers that are clear, compelling, and wrong. Is this always true? Is big data always going to give us clear, compelling, but wrong? Misleading is the implication? Talk to me, Marie. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that quote was was fun. It's, I don't think it's always going to be wrong. I think it comes back to the question of what we're looking for. If you go into to big data as we did in the past with the, the structural data that's in our systems, looking for a very, very specific answer, then you might get the wrong answer because there's just so much data that you're going through and the cats might come back up and that's not, you know, back to Surya's comment, that's the context that you're looking for. I think with big data, we're starting to shift the questions to what we're looking for, and, and we're trying to figure out, are we trying to get the big picture rather than the exact one? And I think what we're seeing is some new and interesting types of analytics coming out to help us support that bigger picture. So rather than just running a report um, to give us, again, um, the, the number of shoes that were sold in the store, we're starting to see new types of business intelligence or analytics, such as predictive analytics, to help us you know, look through these big patterns of data to see if we can predict the right type of information. And I'll give you an example. Mm, We're working with a customer called MKI, which is in the health 
um, care providing environment. And they have been working also with genomes so they can look at that, that large volumes of genome data. And what they can do now is that when a patient is in the hospital coming in for a cancer treatment, they can get some samples from that cancer patient um, and look at that DNA sequence and then compare it with this really broad data base of genome data, and they can better predict which treatment, which type of uh, pharmaceutical drugs will be better for that patient based on the comparisons of that specific DNA to this very broad spectrum of DNA. So by looking for the bigger picture, we can start getting you know, better answers for, for our patients in the hospital in this example. Very interesting, and that's talking to the point of the patterns and anomalies that are contained more or found more readily more prominent in big data than in small data. Great point. Evan, you want to join in here? What do you think? Agree about the compelling and wrong and the anomalies? Talk to me. Well, I think that it raises all kinds of issues. So Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, number one, there's an awful lot of companies who are not very good at small data. Uh, ah. I think you know we you know talk to all sorts of companies and some of them haven't conquered basic business intelligence yet, um, and so uh, and some of them have solutions that are 20 years old haven't been refreshed for 20 years. So some companies need to start. You need to start with um, what you can deal with. Uh, companies that want to do more advanced. Um, analytics companies that want to do what I what we often call I think what Marie referred to as this process of kind of munging through the information to come up with new insights we tend to call uh, at ESG we call it discovery analytics there's a lot of companies who aren't ready for discovery analytics uh, there are some companies that, that are as soon as you get um, you know sort of get away from small data and start shifting towards big data that's when you're going to need you know all kinds of fresh data, unstructured data, structured data, all kinds of new types of solutions because what you can do to, to help yourself out with uh, small data is not going to work very well in big data. There's all sorts of – on the big data side, there's, um, there's a partner of SAP is called Opera Solutions, and uh, they, they came up with a solution for mortgage-backed security. It's called Mobius. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's been out for a little over a year and a half now. And if we go back to 2008 and the, the sort of economic debacle, a lot of that had, had to do with mortgage-backed securities. And um, one of the problems is as soon as that debacle happened, you couldn't trade mortgage-backed securities anymore. It just sort of sat there fallow, um, you know, adding risk to the balance sheets of all kinds of banks. So they were able to take um, all this information f- uh, about mortgage-backed securities munch it together with third-party demographic data and come up with an application, if you will, a big data application that allows traders to really get a good sense of the risk and the details of all of the mortgages inside of a mortgage-backed security. So there's an example, and and that I think has, you know, probably subtly begun to help the economy. So uh, there's, there's another example, I think, of uh, you know, a new approach that can make big impact. At the same time, there's plenty of companies that need the small impact, too. Thank you. All good points. Uh, Surya, I want to bring you in because, interestingly enough, Marie sent me a quote from your colleague, Tony Bayer, who was originally planning to be on the show, but his travel plans interfered. And we're so happy that you could step in and, and be that person from Ovum. But I have a great quote here in Marie's note. She says, as Tony Bayer from Ovum asks, perhaps the question changes from are you trying to get the big picture or the exact picture? And, in fact, she even includes the fact that uh, this is a, a 
Very interesting to me. Big data is so yesterday. Malcolm, you have to tweet that. Big data is so yesterday. Fast data is the buzzword today, and fast data was coined by none other than Ovum's Tony Bear. So talk to me, Surya. What is this about fast data? Or should we change the title for today's show? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, a lot of what Tony is saying, it's, uh, the, the term has been coined uh, definitely by Tony. And this is a concept that companies have known for quite a long time. Low latency analysis, analysis on data which is transient, which has not persisted for a long time. So, you know, coming back to the original question, can we take the same approaches that we used in the SQL, uh, in, in the relational world and bring it back to uh, our uh, you know, newer architectures or, or big data? That's not going to work. And I, I totally agree with Marie there that that analysis is going to be wrong. So, you know, it, it totally depends on the perspective of the analysis. If you are trying to sort of force fit uh, NoSQL to uh, your relational world, that approach is, is simply not going to work. What, what will work probably is uh, if you look at big data as uh, a lot of noise, but as a superset of the existing clean data that you have in your enterprise, and you use that data to sort of connect the dots in your existing data. That's an approach that companies are exploring at this point. Okay. I want to thank you for that. Very interesting. Uh, you know what? We're just about at the end of this segment. I think we're going to take our break now, Brad. And when we come back, I want to talk about big data applications, and we still have to talk a little more about that elephant in the room, Hadoop, or whatever the toy is called. Uh, Surya, we're going to kick off the next segment with you. We're going to talk about how big data applications have to work in conjunction with existing enterprise applications, mm-hmm. because I'm sure this has companies worried as, do I need everything brand new and different in order to cope with and mine the gems, the nuggets, as Marie said, the nuggets of wisdom in the big data. And then what we talk about policies, uh, big data systems can't be treated as exceptions to enterprise policies. We're also going to be talking in the next segment, I'm going to ask my three guests, Evan, Marie, and Surya, about big data for little companies, for big companies. Who's got the grip on big data? Where is it coming into if somebody is planning a new company and they're listening and they're saying, oh, boy, I want to get all these words of wisdom from Bonnie's guest today. What should they be thinking about in terms of opening their eyes to the possibility that they're going to be getting big data coming in right away if they do it right. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. On my lead, you got it, Brad. OML is the new buzzword here. On my lead, you're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We've got Evan. We've got Surya. We've got Marie. Words of wisdom extraordinaire. Big data or small, we're debunking the myths today. You don't want to miss the rest of our show. Brad, take us out. Be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and our topic today is debunking big data myths, and we're trying our best. If you're concerned about big versus small data, real versus right time, what do you do with those patterns and anomalies? What kind of practical applications do they have? My three expert guests are helping us figure it all out. We're going to turn to Surya Mukherjee from Ovum right now to open this second part of our roundtable. Surya. Big data applications must work in conjunction with existing enterprise apps. That sounds to me like it would be a relief to companies that already have a major investment in their applications. True or false? Talk to me. Bonnie, absolutely true. Uh, as and when we come to the enterprise world, uh, there is a lot of investment. It's not, it's not greenfield. You can't just start with uh, a Hadoop cluster and, and that's your first uh, BI or uh, analytics installation. So the first question that I ask uh, an, any customer who, uh, who wants to have some information about Hadoop is, you know, are, are you pushing the limits of your existing data warehouse? Are you interested in, in let's say, some kind of analysis which you think your, your existing data warehouse or your current BI technology cannot provide? And that's where Hadoop comes in. And basically, you know, the idea is that for Hadoop to become a part of the enterprise world, it must interoperate with enterprise applications. Now, in most cases, Hadoop so far has been used for analytics. And when I say Hadoop, it's, it's, uh, I think I speak to the uh, other technologies, other NoSQL technologies, as well as other uh, big data technologies as well. But it's extremely important to, to make sure that Hadoop has some kind of connect to the analytics uh, framework, which is already existing in your organization. Why? First off, analysis is driven by intent, and it needs to be actionable. Now, how is typically analysis actionable in, in the enterprise context? Let's say you generate a sales uh, anal uh, analytics report, and uh, you know, the action items in that sales analytics report goes to the people who actually need to make that particular change on the field. Now, if your Hadoop is an isolated system, and it doesn't interact with uh, the existing BI practices and how information is disseminated to uh, the stakeholders, it has no purpose. It has, uh, you know, it, it sits in isolation uh, in, in the enterprise. So there are several ways, without going too deep uh, in the weeds, there are several ways today that uh, Hadoop systems uh, talk to enterprise applications. But it is important for organizations to examine whether Hadoop can technologically as well as, uh, you know, through organizational constructs, talk to existing systems, whether it can deliver actionable intelligence, and whether the people who are using Hadoop can later push out the intelligence that they glean from uh, using a large cluster to the rest of the enterprise. Thank you. Uh, Evan Quinn, talk to me. What do you, you agree, disagree with what Surya is saying? Add to it, please. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I think, you know, talking about Hadoop for a minute, and, and then we'll expand for another minute. Um, it, I think Hadoop works fine in, in proof of concepts. Um, the minute you start to get something that is real important and legitimate out of Hadoop, all of a sudden it starts running into um, the requirements of the enterprise. How is it secured? Are you doing proper backup? Right? Uh, you know, these are, these are sort of, is it available? Is it scalable? Now, of course, there's all kinds of promises about that, but I think at some point in time, if it's really, Hadoop's really going to be important in the enterprise, it's going to have to meet enterprise requirements. Uh, the, the most recent uh, um, Strata conference, and I, I, uh, Marie, I ran into Marie there, one mm-hmm. uh, I, I like to say it was moving from blue jeans to blazers. <laughs> you know, if you go back two, two years ago, you go to these conferences and everybody was in blue jeans and it was all about, you know, uh, writing uh, MapReduce code. And, mm-hmm. you know, now you show, see a lot of people focusing on the value, focusing on what you can actually do with it. And and so I think Hadoop, you know, that's that's one of the challenges and opportunities for Hadoop. But it goes beyond that. I mean, if we talk about HANA, um, from SAP, it's the same sort of situation. You know, what do you have today? What's working for you today? And I, and I think this uh, sort of echoes what Siri was talking about, too. Um, you know, what do you really want to do new? What mm-hmm. is the opportunity? And, and it gets a little bit tricky because in some cases you don't know what you don't know. Um, and that's where I think you start potentially looking at something like discovery analytics to start looking for brand new insights. But, you know, I think uh, Hadoop and all of these big ta- data technologies, it is a trip. I mean, connecting to your enterprise applications is important, but as I mentioned before, connecting to third-party data is important. Connecting to social data is important. So it's that bigger data picture which is important. And, um, you know, so I think as, the, as big data grows up, it's going to f- fall into the same category as ERP or supply chain management, um, probably even more important than CRM in terms of things like security and availability. Well, we'll keep that as part of your crystal ball at the end. I have a question, Marie, before I bring you in. I have a question for Evan, and maybe you can all answer it. Evan, you mentioned to me that you did a survey, uh, a 2013 spending intention survey at ESG, right. at, where you're a senior principal analyst. And you said, our recent 2013 spending intention survey shows that improving analytics is tied fifth in terms of business initiatives for new IT spending, and it's tied for only ninth as purely an IT initiative. And what beats big data as a spending initiative? Security, and it easily beats big data. Why is this, Evan? And then we'll have Marie chime in on this, too. Well, I, I think it's pretty simple. You, you need to mitigate risk before you start taking chances. And, and that's uh-huh. how enterprises think. Now, I, I think if you're a Web 2.0 company or you're a startup, and you mentioned, you know, we would get to that sooner or later in the, uh, in the program, but I think if you're a startup, you're, you're thinking about things differently. You don't have nothing, you have very little to risk. But if you're, you know, a multi-billion dollar multinational, um, you know, you, you need to protect your assets. And so I, I think that's why. The other thing that is interesting is we've seen lots of, of pretty crazy big data forecasts out there with, you know, year-over-year growth rates of uh, 50% and, and um, things like uh, it's going to add 25% of new IT personnel over the next two years in the United States of America. This is crazy talk, okay? Our, our survey suggests a very good, 
healthy growth rate. 10%, 11% in 2013 over 2012. Um, and this is for, you know, analytics and business intelligence of which big data is part and parcel. So, you know, also, it, it, it's important. Big data is very important. It's, it is a key initiative by uh, at a lot of companies. But, um, you know, we're debunking some of the hype and myth here, and I, I think that you know, in terms of growth rate, it's, it's robust, but it's not wacky. Okay. Marie, what do you think? You know, I, I think that, that Evan brings up a really good point about um, the security of data or the, or the privacy of data. Um, I mean, I think even when we talk about privacy of data, I think if you've been on Facebook and they change the privacy rules, you know, every week and you have to go in there and proactively change your account so that not everyone can see your data, um, I think that this is one of the, the challenges with big data as we start to share more information online, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or uploading our, our pictures of our kids or those types of things, the security and privacy of data become really important. And then to bring it back into what Surya is talking about, about when you start to bring that in, back into the enterprise, what I see um, with our customers at this stage is that what they do when they pull out these new types of data, um, the unstructured data, they don't want to bring all of that unstructured data into their, their business applications. They're um, doing a lot of text analytics, pulling out the relevant text in that, in that business scenario saying, that, for example, these customers are happy about these cameras. So we're looking at customer sentiment to find out which products are selling or not selling, but we're only pulling out some of that content and then bringing that back into, an, into the enterprise data warehouse. The challenge we have then is do we have access to that data? Do we own that data? If someone's posting this on Amazon.com review page, do I own that data? Does Amazon own that data? So what we're seeing is a lot of new um, issues related to who owns the data, who has the privacy to access that data, and then can I bring that data actually back into my enterprise and have it um, be conforming to, you know, governance rules, data rules, and all those types of things. So I do think it's a bit, a bit of a challenge as we move the data into the enterprise. Very, very much. Um, Surya, you want to weigh in on uh, this before we go to our break? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, speaking to the all-pervasive question of uh, data security, you know, privacy is, is a different part of this, the same coin. But what do you do with the data when, when it comes inside your enterprise? The, the, the use cases that we hear, you know, the horror stories around uh, misusing Facebook data uh, is, is all uh, mostly a, a consumer-oriented market. But when you bring this data inside the enterprise, what do you do? Usually, the, the first, you know, the, in the first proof of concept uh, projects, uh, most companies that, that I know physically isolate data. They, they just have better locks to doors, uh, which, which have Hadoop. But as you know, Hadoop matures inside the enterprise, we will have to think about approaches that examine what kind of data goes into Hadoop if that needs to be masked somehow if that needs to adhere to the same guidelines as uh, you know, any other enterprise system does because over and above everything, uh, compliance, security, these things are, are like the law of the land. Nobody is above them. So Hadoop needs to go through this particular discussion, and, and there's a lot of development happening here, obviously, uh, and a lot of third-party vendors which are bringing in uh, solutions. 
with secure data inside Hadoop. But it's it's work in progress. So my uh, my my take on uh, this particular aspect, Hadoop security, mm-hmm. is that it's work in progress. The the onus rests on the enterprises who are uh, who are deploying it right now to make it secure and keep it secure. Thank you, sir. And I have one more comment before we have almost a minute and a half till break. Uh, you told me before the show, you said, cre- and this is uh, very, very important, you said creativity and innovation in data analysis will always remain mm-hmm. in short supply. That's almost damning. Are the wrong people in the field of data analysis, sir? Why do you say this? <laughs> well, uh, to, to put it simply, uh, you know, I, I get uh, – I, I get offers for being a data scientist almost every day. <laughs> it's just a bad algorithm from, from uh, job sites. But uh, simply because there's, there's so much demand for uh, now almost the mysterious uh, data scientist, and there's such a demand for, for these skill sets out in the market that people are going to be taking pot shots at uh, becoming a data scientist. Now, there are several skills which go into making a, a data scientist, and I'm not saying that all of them are elusive. So talking about platform skills, infrastructure skills, these things can be got, and, and you can take trainings and, and learn these things. But you know, coming ultimately to the core of any kind of data analysis, creativity uh, is the most important aspect. So there, there's a point where uh, you know, set routines and uh, Rote analysis will not achieve uh, the best results. If you want to differentiate on analytics, that's not how you want to go. So, so as with small data, similarly with big data, you need guys who are capable of looking at data, have a natural uh, knack for doing that kind of thing, and can look at data and, and identify patterns which maybe, uh, you know, which maybe can change the way your business operates over the next few years. Thank so you. Very interesting. The, I was thinking the idea yeah. of a scientist and a scientist versus creativity and innovation. I'm not sure those go in the same sentence, but I digress. It's time for our final break. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. When we come back, we're going to ask Marie Goodell from SAP, Evan Quinn from ESG, and Surya Mukherjee from Ovum to polish off that crystal ball and tell me what's coming ahead in 2018, five years from today, on Big Data and the Elephant in the Room. Will it still be there? We'll be right back. You don't want to miss these predictions. No matter what size your company, what position you're in, this is important stuff. We'll be right back. Brad, out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, and a quick note for my Game Changer listeners. If you're really in pain thinking about how to harness your business's big data, which we've been talking about for almost the past hour, go to our show page on the Business Channel. Look for the Coffee Cup logo. Click any banner. You go to a page with a whole bunch of free offers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who thought of it? And look for the complimentary ebook on how to start eliminating the pain of big data. It's on us. And now what's on us are predictions for 2018. I'm going to ask my esteemed panel to look ahead in their crystal ball. I hope you've all been polishing it off during the break and tell me what will big data be like? Will we be done with the myths? Will it all be truths? And will there be an elephant in the room? Let's start out with Evan Quinn from ESG. Evan, what do you see in the future, 2018 or when? Okay, 2018. I think we can we can work with that. Okay. So I, I you know, I'm not sure we're going to continue to call it big data for, for the next five years. But I think what we are on here is a, a significant change in how businesses take advantage of IT, how organizations take advantage of IT. Um, you know, in, in the enterprise applications era, it, it helped with automation. It, it helped companies do things, but it didn't help companies think that much about it. Uh, I think ultimately where big data is going is it's changing the equation to have organizations do a better job of figuring out what they should be doing or what they should not be doing. And so I, I still think this is going to be an important phenomenon five years hence. I think it's a fundamental transition that's going on in enterprise technologies. Um, and, in, and in terms of things like Hadoop, you know, I, I don't think Hadoop will be uh, it'll probably still be around. There may, may be additional open uh, source projects. There's already some additional open source projects going on, uh, which are sort of similar. Uh, ultimately, though, I think we're, we're going to shift to this kind of notion of uh, what I like to call data as a service, um, where you know there will be all these uh, data companies out there that do a really good job at aggregating qualifying, filtering, cleansing, and making data available to uh, other organizations. As a matter of fact, I think uh, we'll actually begin to see almost any company have a sort of digital offering uh, out there. So almost everybody will be a data company or have some kind of data as a service, but there'll be a bunch of specialty companies that focus on that. So just like you know, we, we've shifted to software as a service, I think data as a service is what is going to be a key market phenomenon five years hence. Interesting. Thank you, Evan. Good predictions. And let's turn to Marie Goodell from SAP. What's in your crystal ball today, Marie? What do you see? Can you see as far as Evan can five years from right now? Yeah, or I think I can see. I can. Uh, my crystal ball might be slightly different than Evan's, but I, I Talk think to it's, me. we definitely That's a good one. thing. Okay. To me, I think the biggest change we're going to see in big data is um, and when corporations or companies can bring the human face of big data, this is what they're going to be very successful. I mean, I think this, the amount of data and the type of data that will just in- continue to increase. Um, I think we're seeing, you know, mobile devices being used in Africa to help with um, with healthcare when there's no landlines. 
Um, I think we, we see it in the gaming world where um, now with the NBA, you can get statistics about your favorite basketball player as you're playing the game. The deal with, with companies that are going to be successful are those that are going to be able to show the human aspects of how getting information from data can change the world, whether that's healthcare with the genome products, whether it is um, coming up with um, ability to to deal with, you know, diseases that we're not even sure that we're having. That's where the big changes are going to happen with it. Hadoop is going to be part of that, but I think there's going to be new technologies in the area of mobile and digital digital that are actually going to continue to change things, and we'll see it continuing to impact even the way how we socialize, such as the spring revolution, where Twitter could make, it could move people in massive amounts rapidly. These are the things that I think we're going to see changing with big data, the impact on human lives. Thank you. Will we have any new elephants in the room, do you think, Marie? Oh, I'm sure they will be, although maybe it'll be the alligator the next time. <laughs> I was going to ask. Uh, uh, thank you very much for anticipating that. And let's turn to Surya from Ovum. Surya, crystal, how's your crystal ball look all the way over there in India? Clear or what? how far can you look ahead for us? Well, it's uh, it's crystal clear. And, you know, just, just to uh, sort of share uh, sort of a, a cultural bent into the elephant thing. I'm, I'm not sure an elephant in the, room, in the room is a bad thing. Tell me why. So, uh, because uh, you know, the things that I, I believe that will happen with, uh, I, I can't see probably five years down the line, but within the next few years, uh, I agree with, with what Marie said. The human side of big data will definitely come into play. Uh, but if we are talking about the more mundane use cases, I think that's where big data, uh, or that's where the maximum amount of delta or change will happen. Uh, I believe that there is a good scope that big data will go slightly more viral in the enterprise. Uh, it will, it will basically develop an ecosystem around itself. So it, it won't just be known as Hadoop. And in many cases, users, a front-end users, a, a salesperson, a marketing person using an analytics app will not know that uh, it was driven by big data at the back end. So big data will slightly flatten the stack for them. And uh, I think also the skills problem that, that we are facing now with big data, with, with the whole data scientist rut, a lot of that will be solved within the next three to four years, not only by uh, you know, demand driving a lot of people to take up this profession more seriously, but also by a lot of tooling that will be introduced by uh, companies, which basically make uh, simple tasks and repeatable tasks uh, easier to do. So overall, you know, my, my prediction is within the next three to four years, uh, big data won't remain a hype. It will become a, a more tightly integrated part of uh, the enterprise, and it will be you know, a first-class citizen in the enterprise. Good to know. If we had more time, I would have asked where somebody wanting to be a creative, smart, innovative data scientist would go to school and what degrees, but we're just about out of time, so perhaps that's something if we all reconvene at a future time, we can put that on the agenda. So it's time for me to do predictions. Coming up next week here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, Wednesday, April 10th. You want to miss, don't want to miss this one. Business on speed. Ooh, real-time insights and execution. We're going to get into that real 
real-time, right-time, fast-time thing. Wednesday, April 17th, SME Concerns and Opportunities in Developed and Emerging Countries. Okay, and then we started a new series yesterday. Hooray! Every Tuesday we're here at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's called Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And next week on April 9th, that's Tuesday, we're going to talk about board risk oversight, what regulators are really saying. And on Tuesday, April 16th, we'll be covering innovations in EPM for the uninitiated. That's Enterprise Performance Management. I want to say thank you to my special guest for conspiring with me and Malcolm, my co-producer, to put this great topic together, Evan Quinn from ESG, Marie Goodell from SAP, Surya Murkaji from Ovaman. A big shout-out to Tony Bayer for introducing us to Surya. And thanks for the great quotes in absentia, Tony Bayer. Shout-outs to Anka Rebel, to Malcolm Kimberlin, and to Brad, Jeff, and everybody, and Ryan at the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers, and you know what's coming. My call to action, everybody. Put on your seatbelt. Here we go. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.